We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, so you know what we do on Mondays. It's Mondays with McCool. We bring in James McCool, co-author with me on the theory theory of daily fantasy sports. We have the new advanced players guide, the course out right now. Go to theoryofdfs.com, pick it up, 10 chapters of audio. Get all these custom uh, tools for Excel that James has developed and and uh, added features and constantly developing. So download them now. Go to theoryofdfs.com. How to apply profitable DFS strategies for advanced players. Go get it. James. Good morning, the chat, by the way, before I address James. Good morning, chat people. The chat people. Good morning, Wataz, Zuki Singh, Chris Brown, Kickstart, Matt Mears, Deepik, LZ, whatever, Bart B, SDP, Pierre Dota, Jovan Normandia, good morning. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit all the buttons. Just hit all the buttons. James, did you hit all? Yeah, apparently, yesterday on DraftKings, the only button I had to press, like I'll even show you, I'll show you the button that I pressed. Right. These these were these were uh, aggregated projections from around the industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I pressed this button. Right. It went and uh, no, that's OK. That's actually not the lineup. OK. Well, it, it was it was earlier was uh, uh, apparently all you have to do is just play and play your cash lineup and everything. Uh, and I would have won more money if I would have done. I would have <laughs> I would have did that. My cash line like my cat my quote my cash lineup. Uh, in the in the, the twenty five mass twenty five dollar double up was uh, duplicated two hundred and forty six times. <laughs> uh, my 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 cash lineup and a lot a lot of a lot of names that you that you could recognize like losing it all get loose Chipotle addict uh, Trev, Trev, Zach Trivet Davis Maddock 
Fire Dog. I mean, you could just go through all these. I mean, you got Take Your Cake. There's another Mooses there. Uh, there's there's a ton, ton, ton of Cam Crews. Like if you look at the if you look at the head to head lobby, you like a lot of Tilapia sixty nine. There's more. Right, look how many. Look, there's like tons, tons of sharp players. Obviously, we we let so many people into the collusion chat. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, but uh, it was my highest scoring line. Like out of all my lineups. My cash lineup, which finished 91st in the Millie. Yeah. Okay. So th- that's 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 how chalky the slate was. Uh yeah, my I mean, I, I had a good I had a good day because you know I won a hundred percent of my head to head. <laughs> right. Right. I won a hundred percent of my head to head. Or I mean, I I mean, yes, I, I there were some ties in there, but I mean I, I'm not gonna go through and see. I just looked to see if there's any green ones compared to not green yeah. ones. Uh GBP, I lost money because I ended up stacking the lowest scoring game of the day, <laughs> the Jags Texans game, and uh, Fanduel. I I didn't uh, didn't make money in, in cash, but uh, props did extremely well. So like, uh, I made money on DFS, but not not as much as last week because of a three v three on Fanduel that I don't know. I, I don't know if I botched or anything like that. I I didn't I didn't trust the projection. Right. Ah. Well, I could. I mean, I if I could have. I, I played a lineup that was one point lower projected, but had higher touchdown equity, and it's Fanduel, so I care sure. more about touchdown equity than like PPR type of scoring. Yeah. Uh, and that didn't work out. Yeah. So obviously, when uh, when the chalk, when when the cash lineup that is duplicated for two hundred forty six times in large twenty five dollar, ends up taking ninety first in the milli. Contrarian players are going to have a bad time. Uh, if you were off on off of multiple pieces of chalk, you were screwed this week. Uh, it, it is what it is. It was 90th, by the way. It was a tie for 90th. 34 Very, people. 34 people had this line. It wasn't me. I didn't have the lineup in there because I played. Because no, you don't play lineup. lineup in the milli. Yeah. Right. I, was, I don't put my cash lineup in the milli. Right. Yeah. So it is what it is. Uh, chalk weeks are a bummer most of the time. I, I think that things went okay for me, all things considered, but that's mostly just because like when I ran my optimizations, it was just like, here's some chalk, right? Like the, like my third highest ceiling lineup was a Tom Brady stack with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette and, uh, and Jeff Wilson Jr. And so it's like, when, when chalk's just going to dominate, usually players like myself and players like you, I'm sure that your GPP week was not incredible because of the amount of pivots that you had to make off of all of this chalk. Well, the, no, but uh, the, the pivots that I was making was 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 like the obviously I I treat uh, James. Is that you buzzing or something? I was getting a phone call that I ignored. Okay, yeah, because I I could hear that. Wow, you could hear that? That's crazy. My phone's wild. Uh, I always judge my GPP lineups by the owners, like, projected versus actual ownership. Like, had I known, (laughs) what would I have done? And uh, I was, these are the things that I was happy about, and these are the things that I was unhappy about, okay? I was happy that I was under on the bucks. Like, Mm -hmm. On the Brady stacks. Okay, fine with that. But I played a lot of Mike Evans as a one-off. And he was the second highest owned player in the Millie. Mm. 
like he's 23%. Godwin was 27%. So like neither of them I should be playing as one off. I mean, like neither of them. I, mean, I was just gonna say, yeah, in that case, you want to stack them so that you can gain right. Gain more right. So I'm fi- I'm fine with stacking them, but just the fact that I expected Godwin to be around 24% owned and Evans to be like 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I could play Evans as a one-off. I thought, like, Fournette, Fournette was 14% in the Millie. I would have went, I mean, I had a lot of, I, Fournette was my second highest exposed running back. Third, mm-hmm. no, third highest exposed running back. Had I known he would be 14 and not like 24, I would have, I would, he probably would have been my most exposed running back, especially knowing that Godwin and Evans would be so high owned in comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing, uh, positive wise, is that because of this, my my top my top all, all overall stack yesterday by far exposure wise was Josh Allen and the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. and a lot of those lineups did not have a run back. Typically, my my run back was either either Fryermuth or Pickens, but most I had more than half of them just it was just Allen and two guys. I, Allen I mean... Davis. Shakir, Allen Diggs, Quentin Morris, or something mm-hmm. like that. I put in a rule this week in my optimizations to not have Pittsburgh players. Oh, so you just don't even worry about it. No, I, I literally excluded him from my pool. Like, I, I just I, – I don't know if Pickett is good, but I know that that offense is just completely dysfunctional right now. And also, you also know that the Bills offense, they had the highest team total. They, they, always, they pretty much always throw the ball no matter what. Yeah. And they'll play. Yeah, at, they'll play at least three quarters strong. So, like, give me all the points. Like, and they they just keep their foot on the gas. Like, they don't care. That they'll they're you know we we used to talk about um, New England. Uh, I don't know, like five six years ago, um, we used to talk about New England as being one of those teams where like you stack them because they're gonna keep their foot on the gas. They don't care. They'll embarrass teams. And Buffalo is the same way this year. That they will keep their foot on the gas. Philadelphia as well. Like Philadelphia will keep their foot on the gas and just keep going. Except this week was weird. Fourth quarter, Philadelphia decided not to try to push the the envelope, but whatever. Yeah, they Buffalo just they'll just go. Especially when when McKenzie was ruled out, it's like it gave you Khalil Shakir as a as a value, so it made the stack even more I was I was I was trying to weigh at eleven thirty in actives. I was trying to weigh whether or not Shakir mm-hmm. would actually make Allen even more owned, and like what what the effect of that uh, of that uh, news is. But it's it's NFL DFS. People don't react to the news that late that quickly. Yeah, I was as surprised. They should. I was surprised Khalil Shakir was not a higher piece in cash. He didn't need it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Breaking news: Matt Rule was just fired by the Panthers. Man, okay. I whatever. They're, they're gonna be terrible for the rest of the year, but like, yeah, he should be fired. Right. Okay. Uh here are the things that I got that I would have changed had I known. Uh I I okay. Uh I knew that one of the Patriots running backs was gonna be popular enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be both of them. Like I thought, Ramon, because in my in my in my projections, like uh, Ramondre Stevenson projects for much better than Damian Pier, uh, Damian uh, Harris. So I just expected, like, oh, Stevenson will be like 19 percent owned, and Harris will be like eight to ten percent owned, oh. and uh, that made me play a bunch of Harris 
And it turns out that Harris was actually more on 17.9 in the Millie for Harris and 17.2 for Stevenson. So had I known that, uh, I, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have played as much of Harris. I never play Nick Chubb. I always project Nick Chubb for around eight to 10% ownership. He came in at 16. I had zero. I'm fine with that. Like I'm always fine with if people want it. It, it doesn't matter. I was blown away by the Nick Chubb ownership. I had him projected at like 6%. I had him him at at eight, eight, eight or nine. I did not think that he was going to be that. And regarding the Damian Harris and Monday Stevenson thing, I had Damian Harris projected for 0.9 fantasy points better, but both projected around 12% ownership. Here's here's the perfect, here's here's this week's example of uh, why you, why, I don't know, you need to, but why, Listening to content and mm-hmm. especially popular content is important because I look here and I go down. I, I look at the running back list. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorting by salary adjusted value, which is RGV in our lineup HQ. And I go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. James Robinson. Mm-hmm. 13.76 median projection and in this ownership, which I reset, was around six percent. Mm-hmm. I bumped this number up to 16. Right? He came in at 21.3% owned. And I didn't have I, I don't I don't think I had any James Robinson. I not I I dude at six percent ownership, I didn't have James Robinson. Uh Oh, well, the Jag, because people look at the, the, the spreads and the totals or whatever. Like, Travis Etienne, for a ceiling, gets more valuable targets than James Robinson. It's like, okay, great. You got some goal line carries. Way to go. Right? But, like, as far as scoring PPR, I mean, you have all these guys. Like, essentially, James Robinson is Michael Carter. Yeah. Travis Etienne is Brees Hall. I, right. I would argue that James Robinson is uh, Michael Carter. If Michael Carter were about 0.5 seconds slower on the 40, he's, well, he's I'm, just a by, I'm just going by role. Sure. Sure. You could say that he's Damian Harris too. Right. Or Jamal Williams. To, sure. to, to Deandre Swift. Like one, you have Jamal Williams and then you have Deandre Swift. It's like, which one do you want? So it's like, I look, I look, I look at that. I'm uh, there's no way I'm playing the, the high owned, James Robinson, he came in way. I mean, I th- I thought the effect would make him like sixteen percent though. And he came in at twenty one, so it's like I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. The the running backs I played the most of were Raheem Mostert. He came in what what mo- like if I filter by position, Mostert came in at six percent on. I had him in like a quarter of my lineups. Uh I Brees I I like twelve thirteen percent Brees Hall. That was a little bit over, uh, and then I had a I my my number one guy. You'd be surprised at James. Was it Derrick Henry? Yeah, there you go. Want to want to know a secret? What I, I had Derrick Henry projected by far best on the slate, and I was I I had him projected at eight percent ownership. He came in at what? He came in eight point five in the milli. Yeah, I had him by far projected the best. He was like the main thing that I wanted to do. In fact, the reason why I played a Bills stack with Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakur is so that I could get Derrick Henry in that lineup. 
with yeah, Winnipeg. It, it sounds like a lineup that I had, like that lineup with with Derrick Henry, Raheem Mostert in the in the other running back spot, and then you then you could do whatever the hell you want the rest of your line. I mean, then you could one one any other team you want. I mean, yep, didn't matter. It was wonderful. But is the reason that your Derrick Henry projection was uh, higher than probably probably the industry in general? Was it because that they actually designed passing plays to him? Yeah, he's getting twenty percent of the targets last three games, dude. Right, and I know because I, I know you. I know you. You take recent samples mm-hmm. much higher weight than a lot of other people, so that's why I had to expect that. Like I, I'm visibly like that. I, I'm not on team watch the games, but I'm looking and they're showing Derrick Henry plays on red zone. And it's like, oh, look, design screen pass, right? It's not a dump off. It is a design screen pass. Yeah. And then they have no other, like Robert Woods and, the, and a bunch of like practice squad people, essentially. Yeah. Level people. I'm like, and they, they don't mind giving it to Derrick Henry. So like he's 8,200. It's a slate where people want to pay down at running back. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to pay up. I'm going to play. I'm going to play Eckler. I played Cook. I played. I, I did. I had a lot of lineups that had double pay up running back. Like, yeah. like it's yeah. it's Henry and Henry and Cook and Fournette. I mean, Fournette was 6,900. So that not up there, up there. But I was trying to stay away outside of Brees Hall and Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Like I was staying away from the 5K range because a lot of people were building in that five with that James Robinson at 6,300. Damien Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the other people that were paying up at running back apparently went go to Nick Chubb. And I just, I just, I just literally, I just, unless it's a show, even on showdown slates, I'll play Kareem Hunt over Nick Chubb. But like Nick, Nick Chubb's distribution, like just always makes him a really bad, mean projected player. Sure. But I also understand that he, do, that he does have a ceiling. It's just that like on a 12 game classic slate, He's never underowned. Like yeah. He's just he's just literally dude. Dick Chubb could have been fourteen thousand on this slate. He still would have been eight percent. Like <laughs> it's, it's, his ownership never gets that low for whatever reason. I right? I had Chubb projected okay. Not I mean not great. Like sixteen or something like that. I'm projected fine. But like you're right. He doesn't. He didn't. He doesn't get receptions. The reason why Derrick Henry's projection was so good. So I had a medium median of twenty three. The reason why, why it was for Derrick, so, what did you have for Derrick Henry? Twenty three. Oh yeah, and then my aggregate has almost nineteen point eight four. Yeah, I, I was higher, but the reason I'm higher is because I had him project for four point three five receptions and thirty nine receiving yards. Yeah, that'll do it, especially when most people are there. There, there probably are still people that are with their own models or whatever that are still projecting Derrick Henry is like getting point eight targets a game. Well, and I, I mentioned it on the on the main slate breakdown. It's like. The old way that you used to decide if you were playing Derrick Henry was if the Titans had a high expected rushing touchdown total, right? Because I break down ex- touchdown expectations based on pass and run rates adjusted in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And the way that you used to do it was you used to just say, okay, well, the Titans have an expected rushing touchdown total of like 1.78. Okay, well, time to fire up Derrick Henry. This week, they only had an expected rushing touchdown total of, I think, 1.19. But you can give him a piece of that receiving touchdown pie now. Like it's not all rushing, so he's he's super valuable. He's stupid valuable moving forward, and I I think that obviously, you know, models like uh, like the Blitz. I, I don't know how quickly Cardi. Well, is I mean, the, 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 you know, that. you know, the Blitz hates Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah, and, 
And, and and he was one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on salary adjusted value. So like yeah. whenever whenever you whenever I see like like an MLB, if, if the bat is like Lucas Giolito, good play today. Like you have to trust it because it hates that guy. Yeah. Like so for it to hate that guy enough and then go, well, th- th- today's an exception. Right. So that, you know, I look and I see like, well, if he's going to be, what was he? 8% owned. He was like 11. He put up 30 points. He could have put up, I mean, like there were a bunch of running backs that put up a nice scores that you didn't need Derrick Henry, but look at, look at these expensive running backs. I mean, like, let me go to like, if you, if you look at the running back uh, scoring, right. So, like, you could have used Ramondre Stevenson 22.5, but, I mean, you had Brees Hall at 30 for 5,400. Right. Same right. Most are put up 22 for 5,000. Mm-hmm. But, like, you had Fournette with 35 at 6,900. You didn't need, like, you didn't need Chubb. Like, Chubb at 8,000 scoring 28. Right? Kamara, 27. Cook, 26. Yeah. Right? Eckler, 38. Like you just need you didn't needed two of these guys. You need one one of the guys that had 30 plus and one of the guys that had like 20 plus. If you had 60 points in your running back slots, you were probably fine. But the thing is, is that the top two owned running backs died. Yeah. But Harris like got injured, and James Robinson was James Robinson. Why are you playing him at 21% ownership? <laughs> right? James Robinson is just James Robinson. I had, I had James Robinson project for like nine fantasy points. That said, yeah. I had Blue Hall project for ten fantasy points. So I got screwed there, but um, I, I don't know. I I, th- I I said on the breakdown that I thought this week would be decided by running back, and that's absolutely what ended up happening. Um, I, I was on cheaper stacks this week, so outside of Buffalo, I had a I had a Jet stack, and then I I guess I also had a Tampa Bay stack. So that's a little bit more expensive, but um, I, I thought this week would be decided by running backs and. As it turned out, you could play any running back that you wanted, and they would just score thirty fantasy points, except right. for James Robinson and Damian Harris because he got injured. And Damian, well because of injury. But if he didn't right. get injured, Damian Harris probably scores thirty-eight fantasy points because play right. what you want. Right. My 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 top my top stat that I had in my seventy-five lineups, I had thirty percent Josh Allen, twenty-two percent Trevor Lawrence. Ugh. And then I had some Brady and Hurt, like Brady Hurts, like those were the four. Like yeah. that, and then I had just a little bit of like, just like, okay, here's a Andy Dalton lineup, here's a Geno Smith lineup, here's a, here's a Davis Mills lineup, here's a Kyler Murray lineup, like that type of thing. But the Trev, that I had a lot of Trevor Lawrence plus Christian Kirk plus Evan Ingram plus Brandon Cooks or like that type, or with Pierce or something there, or Nico Collins, uh, and a lot of those types of combinations. And uh, yeah, that that didn't work out, but the Allen ones did. I mean, like Allen ones yeah. were great. I mean. Like if, if I'd have run an MME based on my script, I would have had a lot of Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. That would have sucked. Uh, I would have had a lot of Geno Smith, and I would have had a lot of Zach Wilson. Those were the, the QBs in my script. Wanted to get so you wouldn't, you wouldn't have done well. No. <laughs> but Deepik uh, I mean, asks, uh, why was Gabe Davis only 7%? Because Gabe Davis at 6,400 does not project well. You have to – Gabe Davis – is the receiving version of Nick Chubb. <laughs> no, he's he, but not. he is. But the James, he is. He's the receiver that that you can't give him that big of a target share, but he plays on like the most explosive offense in the NFL. Sure. 
So like his, like, dude, he went three for 160. I mean, like 170. One set three, what three for one seven? The two, he did two for one sixty, and then got a ten yard pass to just be three for one seventy. So it's like, how do you project that? Debo, Debo Samuel is very similar. It's very hard to project Debo as well because his his he has he gets less touches on average, but his value of touch is so high. Nick Chubb with breaking a forty seven yard run, it's like. Well, is this the game that he does it, or you know he's going to do it like ten times a year? But when is he going to do it? Who the hell knows? Yeah, Gabe Davis is very similar. If I told you, but in the chat, if I told you Gabe Davis would get three catches, that's it. He would only get three receptions, and he's sixty four hundred dollars. How comfortable are you putting him in your your line in your in any lineup, let alone Bill Stacks? It's like I'm going to tell you. He only catches the ball three times. I think he only got four targets in total. Yeah. So how come, like, would you, would you, like, oh, three for what? Okay, well, I guess three for 60 and a touchdown is doable or whatever. It's like, no, it was three for 170 and two touchdowns. I'm like, <laughs> like, like, it's on three catches. So that's the reason why I say, like, like, he's not going to project well from a median standpoint, but how am I not playing him if I'm playing a bunch of Allen? Like, like, right. that's just, like, he, I would, I, Gabe Davis is a one-off Gabe Davis, like whatever, but like, what, you know what world I'm playing? If I'm playing 22 lineups with Josh Allen stacks. Yeah. And I have like, oh, and I know, oh, and get, and Gabe Davis did that yesterday. And I had zero of him because his median projection was three points too low. Like, how stupid is that? Like, yeah, it's, it's that three points you're going to make up in correlation as it is. So like, yeah. so I, here's, I here's the thing. With Buffalo stacks, right? The projections for the wide receivers and the tight end don't matter for Buffalo stacks. All that matters is that you attach somebody to Josh Allen. That's it. Like yes, yesterday I had, I didn't even think twice about this. I had a Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakur stack, right? I right, didn't. I, I threw in Quentin Morris, and people were like, "Who's Quentin Morris?" Like, I considered. Why, him. why not? I considered him. I didn't need to do it, but I considered him. And the reason for it is that if Josh Allen nukes the slate with 40 fantasy points, it doesn't matter who you stacked him with so long as you had him. Because he spreads the ball. Like the, the Buffalo offense, outside of that game where Stefan Diggs had four touchdowns and the game last year in the playoffs where Gabe Davis had four touchdowns. Like that offense is just going to produce and you're just rolling the dice on seeing who you can get with Josh Allen. And if somebody is 3K and the Bills put up 40 fan 40 real life points then that person that's 3k there are people that know the reason why i i jumped on it because brady was going to be the most popular mm-hmm. and i'm looking and i'm going typically i'm not a fan of bill stacks when they're when they're chalky because they actually do spread the ball around but they've mckenzie's out crowder's out and knocks yeah, out. Like, there are people i don't have to worry about anymore it's like who else are they throwing the ball to like there's only like three guys here so it's like this is easy now. So why is everyone going to the? I'll, I'll I'll just I'll just take the team that has the highest total on the slate, that is the biggest favorite, and then, well, who do you run it back with? Probably no one. Like what? Like like they're just gonna score. They're gonna score five or six touchdowns. Yeah. So I I, I just think that, that that's kind of the thing. Like Gabe Davis, I looked in the prop tool. I only had him project for five catches, right? Right. But sixty-one yards. So. 
you know, extrapolate that out. His standard deviation is wild. Right. Uh, it's same I got thing. his prop. I, I mean, I got his over, uh, over 44 and a half. I mean, oh, that, yeah, that, you, hit that. you hit that all day on right. three catches. You, you hit that on two catches, whatever. Right. Just do your thing. But, uh, you know, it just, it just goes back to the point. Like this, this is a very good discussion to, um, to kind of put a little bit of quantification towards the idea of correlation mattering in a stack. Right. Like you yeah, can, yeah, if you're going to use it, like, I, I just want to highlight what James Aguirre in chat. I felt the same about Chubb and Herbert stacks. Like, why should I not play a correlative feature for my game stack? Yeah. Once you boost correlation, you add the value of that. It makes up for that lack of the LS, right. uh, the, uh, the one, two, three points or what it like. Right. So I don't mind. Like to me, dude, I don't, I never play Nick Chubb, but if like, if you're playing a bunch of Herbert, if you're playing, if you're playing, guy from the other side of the game if you want to play mike williams or something yeah okay that's fine it's yeah. just typically typically i typically I, try, I don't even try to play pieces of correlated chubb only because he always is own like i wouldn't have a problem with nick chubb if he was two percent four percent owned on some slates he just he never is feel, that low owned. that's how i used to feel about derrick henry and now i can't feel that way anymore because he catches passes well now that now eight percent is under owned for him like when Derrick Henry is always 8% owned, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm like last year, just like the X out Derrick Henry, X out Nick Chubb. And if they beat me, so be it. Yeah. But I don't think, I think people still think like Nick Chubb literally doesn't catch any pass. Like, like he, he like he catches like what, four passes a year or something. Derrick Henry. It's more than that. It's more than that. I know. But Derrick Henry has gotten that many, that many catches in like this past game. No, I agree. I understand. That's I, I had him projected for five points above anybody else on the slate for running backs. For running backs, right? Fournette got a, got got what eleven receptions? Ah, receptions? yeah. At, at the the week after, they're just like, oh, well, we're going to use Rashad White for the entire receiving role, and then they're like, oh, just kidding. Leonard Fournette and his old ass legs are going to be catching passes all day. Um, not that I I hated the Leonard Fournette play or anything. It's just you know, coaches are coaches are annoying. Brees Hall, Brees Hall had thirty point seven fantasy points. He was. Three rushing yards to the double bonus, and got the Carter got both of the one yard goal line carries. So imagine if Michael Carter didn't exist. Like it's quite possible Brees Hall has like forty eight fantasy points because of two extra touchdowns and three more rushing yards. I mean, it was and 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 imagine playing that guy. Like, oh, he's my last piece in cash. Thanks, <laughs> man. I. That situation, I had the Jets, because the Jets have been super-duper pass-heavy all year. And granted, they were a bit less pass-heavy last week with, with Zach Wilson. But they were still, you know, super pass-heavy in the in the red zone. They were the, the highest pass rate in the red zone in the entire league, 75% or something like that. Come in, and I'm like, yeah, cool. They're all cheap. Garrett Wilson projects great. Corey Davis looks good. Elijah Moore looks great. All these things. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get so many jet stacks in my script. I'm going to play a jet stack. It's going to be awesome. It's cheap. It allows me to get Derrick Henry and Miles Sanders together. It's awesome. And like 40 rushing touchdowns. <laughs> well, 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 uh, well, it didn't help that the game script didn't help you with uh, Bridgewater going down. And you knew that. Yeah. I, I, that game. I had the Tyler game. Thompson. It has to, the coaching tendency is going to be different because it's like, oh, if we're, if the Jets are, are, do, are up. Their attitude is, is like, well, we'll just yeah. run the ball and because we're not scared of their third string quarterback. Right. Bringing them back, no matter with Tyreek or Waddle there at all. It's just like, you know, their offense is going to be significantly hampered. So let's just not give it, not, let's just run the ball. I mean, like yeah. that's what ends up happening in those types. And same for, look at, look at the New England 
uh, Detroit game. Uh, Bailey Zappi actually, Jacoby Myers had a very good game. Uh, yeah. They also, yeah like, imagine if imagine if I told you, James, that Ramondre Stevenson would have what 160 something yards rushing, and he would he he has 160 plays. He's that much many yards rushing. And let me t- look at these two things. If I would have told you that Ramondre Stevenson had 170 yards rushing and yeah. Justin Jefferson had like 170 yards receiving, and then you go, well, obviously I'm going to play both of them in my lineup. And he's like, nope, neither of them are in the winning lineup. <laughs> right? It's like, nope, nope. It's, it, Ramondre Stevenson was still only the eighth highest scoring running back, and Jefferson was like the sixth highest scoring wide receiver. You'd be like, how – how is that possible? <laughs> well, Gabe Davis. That's that's why that's possible. Tyler Lockett. I think, oh. Did Tyler Lockett outscore uh, Jefferson? Tyler Lockett is sitting in my DK cash lineup with zero points at the half, and I'm going. I'm going. You know. You know what I'm thinking? It's like, well, thank God I chose not to play him on Fanduel, <laughs> right? Because that's what I I play on Fanduel. That was I the decision. That was the three v three. No, no the, deci- the decision on Fanduel. My original lineup had. Josh Allen. Now, let, okay. Uh, let me tell you the lineup that I ended up with before I tell you the, the original lineup. Because okay. once I tell you the original lineup, you're going to look and go, well, that was outscored by about a billion points. <laughs> uh, my, my, the lineup I ended up with, I had Hertz, Evans, and Singletary. Okay. Okay. Good. Prioritizing touchdown equity. Yes. At those price ranges. So it's like, do I want a receiver that may get a bunch of yards and some passes, but maybe not a touchdown? Or do I want Mike Evans for a little bit more money? Yeah. Hertz versus Allen to me, I think is like, it's just $400 difference. I'd rather Allen, but I think Hertz is like the one B right there anyway. Sure. So I don't blame anyone for playing Hertz over Allen at any point. And then it's, it's Singletary. And it's like, would I rather play uh, if I'm not playing Allen in my lineup, like, why don't I just play the 6K running back of the highest total team against the Steelers? Like, his t- his touchdown odds were plus 115. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, give give that to me. So I played that on FanDuel over mm-hmm. Josh Allen, mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett, mm-hmm. and Jeff Wilson. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Not low outcome. <laughs> Tyler Lockett had zero points at the half, and I'm like, oh, thank God! I thank God, Mike Evans is 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 in my lineup, but not Tyler Lockett. And then he, he, five for 104 and two touchdowns in the second half, and it's like, okay, DK. I'm like, I'm I'm top. Of, I'm in the top of GPPs with my catch lineup. My Fanduel lineup's like, uh, yeah, yeah. That's probably I, I would have liked Lockett's like 24 points in this lineup, and, and and Jeff Wilson ends up having 24 points, and Allen outscores Hurts by. By 15 points, it's like, yeah, that that 3v3 was kind of like a 65-point swing for yeah. no apparent reason. I uh that that's tragic, man. <laughs> I still I still won 45% of my head dads. Yeah, well, that just shows how how soft it is over on FanDuel for sure. Um I, that's that's just tragic. I'm going through projections now to see if I like could have even considered doing the same thing. I, I could have seen Mike Williams over Tyler Lockett on FanDuel for sure. I had Mike Williams projected really, really well. But, like, man, that's tragic. That that hurts. Right, because I'm like 6,800 Lockett or 7,500 Evans. And mm-hmm. I look, Evans is, is plus 110 
to score a touchdown and Lockett was plus 250. So I'm like, I can move this stuff around. Do I care about Wilson versus Singletary? I don't, I don't really think so. Right. Does it really matter? Allen versus Hertz? Ah, what does it matter? Right. I, uh, I was tilting my entire face off at that Metcalf second half with like the, the dropped touchdown mm. and the fumble and the pass interference when he's walking into the end zone. Cause I made the one V one decision of Metcalf versus Lockett in my Bills stack. And it's, it's a pretty decent swing and it, it like, it doesn't matter in, in the end. I had Miles Sanders instead of, you know, anyone else. either of Alvin Kamara or Leonard Fournette. So it doesn't matter one way or another, but like watching that Metcalf performance as Lockett is just like, Oh, going to have these two 40 yard touchdowns. Now I'm just, I but Metcalf I, was the guy in the first half. I mean, like you were fine. No, no, no. He was not the guy. He had one 50 yard reception in the first half. He oh, had 12 okay. fantasy points in the first half. And then in the second half, you know, drops what 25 fancy points or something. Cause he should have had the hundred yard bonus as well. Just, ah, uh, that's, that's the worst. Is that the worst one V one in DFS Metcalf or Slocket? Has that been the worst one V one in the last like five years in terms of trying to decide who to stack? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, most I of think so. a, lot, a lot of times the answer is zero because Russ Wilson's throwing the ball. Well, that's not, <laughs> but that's not the point. Like people have been debating, the coach, but a lot of times the answer is actually zero. The people have been debating that for years now of Metcalf versus blocking. I'm just, I'm so tilted. It doesn't matter. I, I had in cash. I think I probably would have gone. I wouldn't have done super well in cash. Cause I would have prioritized Khalil Shakur. Who I thought would have been. No, you could have, you could have made a lot. I mean, the thing is the, what, and I was having this discussion last night in, in some discords. It's, it's, People were talking about like Marcus Callaway with Landry out no, and stuff no, like no, that. No, let me no, let me go. Where's where's my like if I like if you were to play a Shakir lineup, this it, it would look something like like you're playing to get up to cup. So like if I'm taking like let's say I play Josh Allen, optimize here. Like you're basically playing to get up to cup. So like the the lineup with Shakir would also have like Zay Jones, Olave. Cop Higby, like there's all these combinations, Wilson Fournette, right? So which means you're not playing Brees Hall, which is fine. But let's say you don't play J Zay Jones either, right? In your lineup. Let me get rid of Zay. It just it put you in a spot where like you, you have money for no reason. Like you have it's like sixty seven hundred dollars or seventy two hundred dollars in the flex, and it's like in the in the utility, and like if it like, feels like you can't do anything with it. Right here's one with Kate Otten. Like, it's the only reason to use Shakir is to build a lineup that has Cup in it. Yeah. Or you're oh, paying, or instead of playing Jeff Wilson, you're paying up for Dalvin Cook or something like that. And the projection difference wasn't anything to that it was worth doing so. Yeah. And I'd much rather go, much rather go down the middle. Like my, I mean, I mean, my lineup was, hey. My lineup was just right down the middle, right? I mean, look, Fournette, Hall, Godwin, Locke, the wide receivers. Like, look at this lineup. Like, do I need Khalil Shik? Do I? Okay, if I replace Lockett or Olave or Godwin with Shakir, then what do I do? Make Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. I could do. I I could do that. But don't they feel so much more comfortable with my ride receivers being Godwin Lockett or Lobby on this list? If I if I would have played cash yesterday, my lineup would have been Josh Allen, Leonard Fournette, Jeff Wilson, 
Chris Godwin, Khalil Shakur, Chris Olave, Tyler Higby, Alvin Kamara, and then probably the Titans defense. No, it would have been a, it would have been a much more expensive defense. Third, Those, I, you, well, have, you, know, you realize how much money you have in that lineup? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just built it out. I just built it. Uh, okay. Probably would have been the Minnesota defense. It would have been Minnesota. Right. Well, I mean, if you didn't have the Cowboys defense in cash, you got killed. Right, and that's the thing. Yeah, I I, w- I would not have prioritized the Dallas defense at twenty five hundred there because well, else, I would. Everyone have... else did. You better. You had to. Well, for Dallas for defense in 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 in, the, in this massive twenty five dollar double up, the Dallas defense DST was fifty eight percent owned. Right. Yeah, and I thought that like as I was looking at it because I don't run ownership projections for defense. Mm-hmm. Uh it was for me between. I, I would have thought that the defense that you would have wanted in cash would have been either Minnesota or Tennessee going up against Justin Fields in Chicago or uh, the guy who's terrible in Washington that I can't remember the name of. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, no, and the, 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 top, the top projected defenses were basically the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Bills. Like, the Titans aren't even there. Oh, Titans. Bills make sense. Bills make sense. Yeah. Right, but the Bills are 4,100. Are you paying up for defense? Get out of here. I don't do that. Not in well, cash. Yeah, but but re- remember, like, I, I'm – well, I'm thinking about who the highest-owned defenses would have been. And remember, I don't have ownership projections for defense. So, teams well, – You again, better get them then. Why don't you get to get them? Well, I guess I better, but I'm usually pretty good about guessing what defense is going to be the highest-owned. I, I did not factor in that people were saying that – uh, the Rams are just the team to attack. And it was brought to my attention this morning that uh, everybody just thinks that the Rams are the team to attack with defense. So, Have you seen their offensive line? Bro, I never pay attention to these things. It's defense. I don't care. 
I just don't. That's the reason why they project the Cowboys projected well. Right, but even projected the Cowboys defense projecting for seven fantasy points is not something. It's Look still twenty five hundred, and a lot of people will do it. Look at the spread of these defenses. The, I, the reason I, why I, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to GPP. I, I, but I'm I ain't going. Player. I ain't going to war without playing the fifty eight percent on defense in a double. No, I, 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 I get just, that. I, I understand. On. In post hoc, I would have wanted the Cowboys defense, right? I would have, and and it would have prompted me to move up from Alvin Kamara to Dalvin, probably Cooper. to Cooper Cup or something, or, or, right? or yeah, or something like that. Something. But in my assumption, and I'm usually pretty good about it, that Tennessee or Minnesota would be the highest on defense. I would not have minded having the Minnesota defense there um, at 3,600. It would have left 100 dollars on the table, and I'm fine with that as a cash fine. lineup. I probably right. still end up winning, like I don't know. Enough to make a profit, but not in double ups. Uh, just in head to heads, I, I would have won quite a few head to heads with it, but not double ups. I don't know why we're talking, even talking about defense. Because <laughs> you're right. No, you're, you're o- right. only that the Cowboys were the highest on defense. Other than that, who cares? I mean, like that's that's that. But when it comes to cash games, if there's going to be a very highly owned you, defense, you I play, just, yeah. Well, I mean, so, my so, I don't want to get burned because I just didn't play the chalk defense. But if you're behind, if you were behind. Switching the Cowboys to the Cardinals defense, you should have done immediately because it's the highest varying position. Right. And if you were ahead, you should have tried to get the Cowboys defense in as much as possible in cash games. And and James Aguirre, this is weird, James, because I prioritized D- Dallas for something you said here a while back, just play the highest on guys in cash. Absolutely. That's the point that I'm trying to make. I wanted to play the highest on defense, and I thought there would have been the Titans. Or well, Maybe that's a leak in your game, the fact that you don't have ownership on defense. You have ownership on everything else, just not defense. <laughs> I should I should add it to defense. <laughs> right? I mean, that's come true. on. You're right. No, you're right. Uh, see? I'm you're always right. right. Uh, anything else that we could uh, learn? Um. I don't know, man. I th- I think so. This, this is just such a super chalky week. I don't know. Do we want to talk about weeks like this and and like your process back as you? Because when you review this this slate, you're reviewing based on the ownership of your lineups, right? And saying, would I have done anything differently? Right. But in a week like this, I, I think that a lot of people will look at what happened and they'll they'll feel that they have to play more chalk in the future, and that's not necessarily true. Um, maybe we should talk a little bit about about. I don't the know idea if there's something talking. to talk. About. I mean, we 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 do analyze your play not don't analyze the results and go well just because something happened like look what happened last week oh if i just overstack an entire game mm-hmm. you could win yeah you can win. that will happen a percent of the time there's also a percent of the time that a the ownership and performance ends up being an r of of, of 0.92 or something you know like something really high uh but most of the time, the bulk is somewhere in the middle, right? So it's not a matter of, well, what happened last week? What happened this week? What like, what are people talking about? Or So to me, there's nothing to analyze when it comes to that. All I could do is look at my lineups and go, I'm going to replace the ownership number with the actual ownership number mm-hmm. and then look at each lineup and go, for this contest, was, was, this, was this fine, mm-hmm. right? If you were playing James Robinson as a contrarian piece, your lineup is now screwed. Yeah. Right. Because now you ended up playing a chalk running back. Like my lineups with Damian Harris may have ended up being much higher owned than I 
wanted to build my lineup. So that lineup would be like, hey, I could have built a better lineup. And there may be other lineups where you thought the field wasn't that, that like, oh, I'm playing, uh, you know, I'm playing something that's uh, that's a little bit higher on and it comes in lower on. And next thing you know, you're jamming in 2% on guy here and 2% on guy there. And you're like, oh, had I known this was already low owned, I would have just, I would have played Leonard Fournette in this lineup, right? I would have yeah. played, I mean, look, Leonard Fournette was only 14% owned in the Millie. So like to me, he's not even chalked. No. Right. So like I look at this and I go, I was being very careful where I played Leonard Fournette. And it turns out I didn't have to be careful at all. I should have just jammed him into all of my contrarian lineups because why not play the guy that projects the highest at running back in my projections? And he's only going to be like the, the what, are you kidding me? He was the fifth highest on running. Like, dude, one, two, three, four, five. He was the sixth highest on running back. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, and the 13th highest on player. I thought he would be like top three. I yeah. put him in like, oh, we got to group this guy out because he's going to be too popular. But apparently everyone wanted to play Mike. And also you could see here with so much ownership on Godwin and Evans, there were a lot of people that weren't playing Brady Fournette plus one type stacks. And right. I was playing those also because Fournette could catch balls out of the backfield. So apparently the field didn't want to do that because people are forcing in. Oh, well, I'm not going to play a running back, especially if we look at Fournette and they go, well, Lenny Fournette, he doesn't get like, like, Dude, if we go back to Jaguars, Lenny Fournette, he was he was that guy. He was that guy of like, oh, I th we think he's a good running back, but he just doesn't catch passes, right? It's like, dude, these running backs could catch pass. All these running backs could catch passes. There was there was a stretch last year for Tampa Bay where Leonard Fournette had a twenty four percent market share of targets. He was getting like nine to twelve per game. He gets he catches passes. There's nothing wrong with that. No, but but you understand what I'm saying that people look and they look at Saquon Barkley, they look at Austin Eckler, mm -hmm. and it's like these are people, these are running backs that out of the gate, Christian McCaffrey, like right out of the gate, it's like pass catching running back. It, it's like mm -hmm. the first like these are pass catching running backs, and then you go once you Derrick Henry doesn't catch passes, Nick Chubb doesn't catch catch passes, Leonard Fournette. Jaguars doesn't catch passes. Jeff Wilson doesn't catch. Some of them don't. Some of them really don't. But I mean, just the initial reaction mm -hmm. of like, people still look at Lenny as, you know, fat Lenny and two yard carries, right? Melvin mm -hmm. Gordon, right? They look at Melvin Gordon. It's like, okay, it's like, like the running backs catching passes on a team has less to do with the running back and more to do with the play designs, the play right. calling, and the quarterback tendencies more than anything. Why Look at Alvin Kamara with yep. Drew Brees at Was quarterback. Say that. Yeah. It's so much different than with Andy Dalton and then Taysom Hill coming in, even with Winston. Like, Winston's not a check-down person, really. Mm. And then you look at Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert will look for Eckler. Yeah. Right? He will look... Like, Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady legitimately makes like, let me see where Mike is. Let me see where Kurt, where, where, where Chris is. Lenny, here's the ball. <laughs> right? Yep. Like, 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 it's like every play is the same thing. It's like, Lenny, you stay there four yards away from me. And if nothing is distinctly open because I'm a Hall of Fame quarterback and I'll know exactly where my thing and Here you go. Here you go, Lenny. Get, get four yards. And okay, let's get three yards and let's put up another play. Yep. Right? Like, 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 Look, look, 
take a look at the quarterbacks for the most part. I think people misunderstand quarterback play when it comes to, to running back production on the passing game. Most of the time, they're very good quarterbacks. People mm-hmm. think of the opposite. They go, well, Andy Dalton is going to check down because he's less confident in going down the field. It's like that. No, he's also less confident in making decisions. He's also less accurate on throwing dump offs. He's less, the offense as a whole is less efficient. Mm-hmm. So instead of thinking about like, oh, dump offs and, and stuff like that, it's like, dude, like I trust Devin Singledary, right? Even though it's like, oh, Josh Allen, he runs the ball. He doesn't dump off as much, but it's a much better offense with a much better quarterback, mm-hmm. right? It's like Russian quarterbacks tend to not dump off as much and do the screen passes or anything like that. But it's like people automatically go to like bad quarterback, running backs going to get dump offs. And it's like, that's not where the ceiling of these players come from. The ceiling comes from efficient offenses. So maybe you should be prioritizing efficient offenses mm-hmm. over well, maybe he gets an extra, you know, two or three targets because Andy Dalton is just going to go dink. Mm-hmm. It's like, great, you got an extra five points. Like that, he's doing that because they're down four touchdowns and it's the fourth quarter and Kamara only has eight points to begin with. So great. Now we, instead of eight, he has 13. Right. Way to go. Way to, way to go in your yeah. analysis. Yeah. You, you have to agree with me, right, James? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just goes back. I, I did a lot of research uh, like three years ago when I really cared about proving people wrong. And uh, I did a lot of research. You don't care how... about proving people wrong about Geno Smith? It's coming for uh, No. I mean, Geno Smith was my third highest projected quarterback this week. So I guess not. Um, no, I, I cared a lot about like doing research and like calling people out on the internet. So I did this huge research study of like, running back production in terms of the passing game against defenses because the, remember the big thing like four years ago was like oh yeah that you know this team allows this many catches to running back this mm-hmm. team allows this many points and receptions right, to the falcons back. to pass catching running backs was exactly a thing. that, or that like the cardinals the, versus tight ends was a thing it was a thing everybody thing. was These about it don't exist for like three four years and then i went back and i i put this whole thread and i had like 200 followers nobody paid attention to this at all uh, but I put together this huge thread of um, I, I, I mapped out all of the production of the running backs and the defenses that they faced. And I took those defenses and I said, who have these defenses faced? And it was like the, the Falcons had to face like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and like, I don't know, a running back that is a wide receiver and gets like 12 targets per game or something. And so, of course, when you would look at what the Falcons would give up to running backs, it was like eight receptions per game. And it's like, yeah, well, look at the average receptions that the running backs they have faced are getting against every other team. It was never a situation where a defense was allowing a lot of receptions. It was always the offense that they were facing. Picture, picture, uh, picture after picture playing uh, games, like picture a team going, uh, they're facing Travis Kelsey and they're they're playing the Chiefs, then the Ravens, then the Raiders, right? Yeah. So you have like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, and then someone week four before week four saying, "You got to play, you got to play Tyler Conklin for the Jets because uh, this team is just siphoning points to the tight end." It's like, yeah, because the tight ends on those three teams, one is the de facto wide receiver one, 
The second is the de facto wide receiver one. And the third is probably the wide receiver two. Like, dude, yeah, obviously, because like the tight end is used more. If they were facing uh, the Texans and uh, and the, uh, the the Dolphins, if, it, if they were going up against against Jordan Aikens and Durham Smythe, and whatever you'd be like, oh, they're hard. they're great against the tight end, and then and then played Travis Kelsey. Then the Chiefs came into town. You'd be like, they're the number three team against tight ends. I'd be I'd be worried about playing Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs against this team. Like a lot of there's so much of that type of noise in these stats that people just like like they parrot, and it's like, well, you don't have any context, and people would still do it. Like people would, people would say for the Cardinals, right? Or no, it was the Giants. It was the Giants was the team to attack with tight ends. People would play tight ends against the Giants that were getting like two targets per game. And they, they would just do it. And then they would chalk it up to variance. And then they'd go back to it next week. And it was a good tight end. And it would be a good tight end doing good tight end things. And then it would work. And they'd be like, see, it's a thing. Last week didn't matter. It's like, you guys are, you guys are insane. Um, Injustice 360 asked, what about fantasy points in dome stadiums? That's a little bit different. Um, when we consider the field type, uh, th- th- there, there's a difference in the way that players are able to play. The field is a little bit faster. It's more consistent. And it's kind of like playing on perfect conditions. So in a dome, what, things matter more than playing against defense that does certain things. But it is not something that is like super like you shouldn't only play teams in domes if they're on the slate because of a couple of reasons. One, it's already accounted for by Vegas. So if you're trusting a projection model, the projection model already knows about it. You don't need to double count it. And two, um, typically what we have seen from teams in domes, uh, again, like people wanted to attack the Saints at home like six years ago, but the Saints defense was historically bad. It wasn't because they were a dome team. It's because the Saints sucked. Kind of the same thing with Lions this year, right? Like, it's not necessarily that the Lions playing in a dome means that the offense is better when they go to play in Detroit. It's just that the Lions can't defend an ant running to an anthill. Like, they they can't do anything, right? So um, it's, it's kind of twofold. Same thing with cores, right? Like, there is certainly an effect that cores has on away teams that are visiting in Colorado. Like the altitude certainly matters, but at the same time, a five-year-old could hit a, could hit a home run off Jose Arena. So it, it's a combination of all those things. the the short the long answer here is everything I just said. The short answer is the projection system that you're using already knows about it. So double counting it doesn't really do you much good. All double counting doesn't matter. It's all accounted for in the numbers. It's like yeah. that's why you subscribe to Roto Grinders. Combo premium. We got basketball coming up in a week and a half. Ugh. That'll be part of the subscription. MMA content at soccer stuff. The Champions League is tomorrow. We got golf, right? We got a lot of stuff. All the showdown stuff for, for all the, the NFL games and everything. We got everything. So click that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month and just trust trust the projections. We got the projections for everything. I, I will say, to just to end that rant, tie a bow on it. Those kind of things where if you want to say, if you're stuck between two teams and you want to take one of these stats, like playing in a dome or playing in cores or playing in a wind game or whatever, if you want to take any one of these things that you think is important and you want to use it as a tiebreaker after the numbers have already bared out your initial decisions, if you've cut it down to like four teams and you're like, well, I don't know who to use my single entry and you want to use playing in a dome as your tiebreaker, go ahead, do your thing. But like, 
you shouldn't be using it to make the basis of the the majority of your decisions. It can be a micro decision maker, but not a macro decision maker. The projections already know that stuff. Right, and the macro decision, the micro decision maker could be I close my eyes and pick one of the four. Right, people. yeah, yeah. The the micro decision maker for my for my wife Margaret is that uh, she just picks the hottest player on any given team. So like she builds lineups based on the micro decision of is this player more attractive than the other players. That can how, be how, 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 how do her how do her teams do? Better than mine. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a correlation between a player's attractiveness and like how good they are at a sport. I, I mean, look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo has like a 70% win rate. It's because of his jawline, dude. Like he doesn't win because he's good. He wins because he's hot. And that like, that's it. But is it, so is it attractiveness to her or attractiveness in general? I would say that it is attractiveness in general, but she also, uh, her her version of attractiveness is like the very, like Western European style of attractiveness. So I mean, look, you, I mean, look at you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a gorgeous man. Absolutely. I, I am. I'm a Greek god. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a Greek god that can make her smile and laugh, and that's really all you need in life, I guess. Um, so I, I I just think that you know, there's certainly whatever micro decision you want to use. To, to make your decisions at the end, after you've already cut down your pool based on macro decision makers that are handled by other things, um, whatever you want to do, just play whoever you want to play. Maybe I want, I'm going to build my lineups based on the ugliest players, being that they probably have to they have to work harder. What? So you're going to play Cole Beasley? Like, what? <laughs> gonna... Well, he's out of the league now. I, I would have to say, I don't even know what half these players look like. So I wouldn't even know. Who's, are they attractive? Who... Are they not attractive? I have no idea. Who would be. Who's the best player that is ugly as sin? Off the top know. of your head. I don't know what that many players look like. But like, okay, no, come on. You know, like, you know, you don't know that many players, but you know players. Like who, who is the ugliest good player that you can think of off the top of your head? I, I don't know. I can't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I, I couldn't point out what Jamar Chase looks like. Or T. Higgins Mark, looks like. Jamar Chase is a pretty handsome dude. Yeah, but I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what these people look like. Is it they Justin, have helmets on most of the time, James. They have helmets on. It's Justin Herbert with short hair. That's the Justin ugliest. Herbert is, is fairly attractive, right? Well, with long hair, yeah. When he has those locks and he's looking like Fabio, sure. But like when he cuts his hair, he looks like a fourteen-year-old going through puberty. Like, I think he's probably the ugliest, really good player that I can think of. Ugliest, ugliest NFL player. Ugliest NFL players, not of all time. Who's the ugliest NFL player? Well, these are not all time. Well, I mean, I guess you don't need all time. I, I guess there's an. NFL I want player. current. Okay, let's see. Let's see this. Right the ugliest current NFL players, dude. This is from 11 years ago. No, that's not going to help. No, no. Say so ugliest current NFL players. What do you do? You not know how to Google? Yeah, ugliest current. Okay, ugliest current NFL players. That, that doesn't get you anything. Man, wow. It's your old uh, historical stuff. Hmm. Who's the ugliest? This is shot. I don't even know where the, the hell we're going. Uh, ranking the hung ugliest. Is this, it, this may be soccer players, but let's okay, see. This ranking is fine. the 15 ugliest football players in the world. Yeah, these are these are soccer players. That's fine. Are any of these players good? Yeah, Mesut, all, all, most of these players are good. But these are soccer players, though. Look, these are well, all very, very good players. Yeah, that that Mesut Ozil Ozil looks like a troll. Yeah, that guy's pretty. Luka Modric isn't all that. I mean, whatever. 
don't know. He was he had a good jawline. He had some attractive features. Here his his soccer players. Peter Crouch. Yeah, Peter Crouch was fine. He also, yeah, Frank Ribery was pretty ugly. Who's number <laughs> one? Who's number one? A Luka Modric? Oh, he's, no, not, okay. he's not that ugly. Come not on. Bad. Hector Reynoso. I mean, this is Felipe Cachedo. This is all we could find. We could find the soccer players. They, they make the list for the they make the list for the current soccer players, but not the current NFL players. Just shows, man. The values are people know in the soccer world that more attractive players are better. That's why that list is for soccer, not for NFL. You know what you you know what you you should do with your wife? What make the attractive this model so people can subscribe to the if they want to turn on attractiveness, it, it adjusts the projection. I should do that. Right? Because then could, she could grade all the players. I I have built season-long models before. I should do that for a season-long model. For, right. for uh because the attractiveness typically doesn't change. No. There's no yeah. regression. I mean, you'll probably have to run a regression year after year because to see yeah. how they updated their fashion and their look or something. Yeah. yeah their ugliness like, is you could use their prior for most of for most of everything. Yeah, man, this is this is interesting. We we come up with some really good ideas. First, we fixed baseball. You remember when we fixed baseball? Yeah, we fixed baseball totally. <laughs> no, but what what you do, James, is you have the attractiveness model. Yeah, and then you you for NFL, you just you run a, a real time contest of like you built the optimal meeting projected lineup from your actual model, and then the attractiveness models optimal lineup and then see who wins over the course of uh, 17 weeks i mean i i can i can simulate contests now i can just simulate contests every week yeah we don't want simulated contests we want the actual contests yeah that's true you Man, what you do what you do is you 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 say that you have the the most accurate attractiveness nfl model <laughs> in the world and you 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 want people to run you down like Here's 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 the crux of that. Saying that I have the most accurate attractiveness model in the world <laughs> is technically accurate, no matter if it's good or bad. <laughs> <it's the> <laughs> and that's why you get a panel of women and and some men uh, to to judge the the accuracy. It's not done on an R squared of like no. versus actual. Like the actual is is like you have to get a survey and go. Is this basically the question? Is is this guy hot? <laughs> right on a scale of like one to five and then it's like okay so what what is it oh i i i had oh for for week five i had this guy at like 8.6 hotness but it actually his actual was 7.8 so that's why I, <laughs> I that's why i was over the field i was over the field on him i didn't realize i didn't realize he wasn't as hot as i thought he was <laughs> yeah, he how many points did he score uh, he's a fifth string player that got two snaps what does it matter? Yeah, that's not that's right. not the point. That's, that's not, that's not how this is scored. <laughs> that's as as the uh, as the cool kids in the DFS industry say. That's not the uh, the thesis of this play, right? right? Like you don't understand the thesis of the play. The goal is to have the hottest lineup, not that scores mm -hmm. the most fantasy points. Yeah, absolutely. James Paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter and paydirtdfs.com. You got stuff over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I usually just shit post, but um, for the most part, I post when I update things over at paydirtfs.com, which you can find pretty much any projection source. I, I'm finishing the NHL model today. Um, last year, it was just medium projections and ranks. This year, it's going to be a full range of outcomes model. So pretty excited about the NHL stuff. And uh, NBA is coming up. I'm not happy about it, but that's how life goes. And uh, I'll have projections for that as well. And uh, you've been uh, consistently updating the uh, theory of DFS tools. 
Yes. Uh, we, we thank you. And people have had more suggestions and I've had them direct them to uh, email you mm-hmm. and say, wouldn't it be nice if you could do this or that like that? So, uh, so it's a constantly developing project. I mean, the tools work as they are now. It's just that yeah. we could always have some UI and functionality, make ease of use and, mm-hmm. and things. So, uh, so pick those up with the 10 chapter audio course, theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players. Theoryofdfs.com. It's 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 me and James. If, if you can't if you can't learn how to have a systematic, repeatable, time efficient process from from this course with these tools, I, you'll ne- you'll never do it, right? Like you, you might as well just pick your players based on attractiveness, right? Yep. And then we'll have the DFS of the DFS players, and then you have to pick the play. You have to pick the the DFS players that are the most attractive, and then. Then that 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 would have to be a showdown slate because the player pool would be much more limited. That, that seems like completely unfair for RG Notorious, right? Like Noto is he, that dude has a jawline on him. Who's the most attractive DFS player? Can I think who's the most attractive it? DFS player? I, I, I don't know who's the most attractive DFS player. Uh, I'm gonna have. I'll build a model for it. You'll build a model. Okay, we'll have a model for, for most attractive uh, DFS players. And, uh, <laughs> some of them I don't even know what they look like, so we have to even even see what they look like. Yeah. Uh, hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the subscribe button. We don't got baseball, right? We don't have a baseball show today. I don't think so. No, Looking no. around like there's a schedule on the wall, right? Some playoffs, or I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Baseball's dead to me, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but we don't know. We got Monday night football. Oh, oh I'm on it. Oh, I should remember because I'm on the show. So the pre-lock show for a Monday night football showdown slate, that's later today. I'll be on. We got NFL content, as we normally do throughout the course of the week. The Guildcast podcast that should be out. We have all this content over here at Roto Grinders. Uh, sign up for premium. Uh, hang out with me in the Blenders Game Theory channel and the Roto Grinders Discord. You get that with a premium subscription. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And uh, I'll, see, I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Answering your DFS strategy questions kind of like I normally do, right? Here Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>